Welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I am Angelica Yard. And I am Charisma O'Keefe. And every week we are here talking to you about business, balance, and everything in between. Um, And we've been doing this for about five years now, and we absolutely love it, or else we obviously wouldn't be here. And this is Thanksgiving week. Um, I can't believe we've made it to Thanksgiving week. Uh, It's been a year. (laughs) Uh, this this last month has been a year, really, you know? Um, so. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say from election day, that week was a year. So yeah. we are in like 2025 in terms of like life years. Yes, it's been a lot. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm glad it's Thanksgiving week. I'm actually, I'm not a huge Thanksgiving person. I'm like a very big Christmas person and very big Halloween person. Thanksgiving is just kind of like there I have a lot of like mixed feelings about it. I do like it. I don't hate it because I like food. Right. So, you know, I don't like the like origins of it. That's like very problematic and sketch, but I do enjoy food. So I plan to eat food tomorrow, which I do every day, but I plan to eat more food tomorrow. So that's always a good thing. Um, And yeah, yeah, I'm just going to be watching Christmas movies and eating lots of food. So I guess I can't complain about that. You know? Yeah. I, um, actively as an adult have been better at honoring indigenous people and the community and trying to uplift those voices and so this week i've been watching movies by indigenous filmmakers uh not just american so yesterday i watched boy by uh taiko wakiti which is a phenomenal film. it's like his debut film that's kind of how he and got I into it that. i never saw it i never saw it until yesterday and i was like this is an amazing film honestly i liked it better than jojo rabbit which probably sacrilege but it's just truly um very it just it felt nice i think um when you're a marginalized person and marginalized group especially as a person of color you have a lot of similar struggles in seeing that in film has always i think that's why we always relate like people of color just relate to each other and um i watched this uh docuseries about different people that's on hulu right now that was done by oxy and sophia chang's episode chang's episode was really spot on because she's you know korean first generation korean american who lived in canada and completely fell in love with wu-tang and like got into hip-hop and it was you know an ar for hip-hop artists and really involved and she was like i related to hip-hop because of how black people were talking about their struggles and it was very similar she could understand it wasn't obviously a direct match but she felt the similarity there so i think that's why a lot of times you will find if you're not a person why we all kind of have that kindred spirits because a lot of our themes and our lives intermingle because of how we've been dealt with by oppression in different ways. So um, definitely I've been doing that. And then I found some amazing indigenous recipes that were posted by the Smithsonian um, blog awesome. actually this week that I'm very excited about because I, I've i always wanted to cook some of these things. And so I'm like glad that there's been chefs that have come out and given really detailed recipes. And so I think I'm going to try some of those for tomorrow if not for this week and kind of integrate it into my daily life so that's That's kind of how i've been honoring the people who have been unfortunately genocide on the basis of us like eating turkey and watching the balloons i don't like a lot of the elements of it and like you know growing up like i would i thought that everybody had lasagna because like i ate that on thanksgiving and then I found out that's not what everyone does. Because um, <laughs> I would go to like elementary school and be like, loved this past weekend, like really enjoyed the lasagna. How was your lasagna? You're and like, stuff shells like, were great. Yeah. And people were like, what? 
And so growing up, like we did have some of the traditional stuff at my grandparents, but we also had a lot of Italian food and, and I've always like, that's what I gravitated towards. So we will often eat like Italian food for Thanksgiving, but about like probably like six or seven years ago, we started eating Thai food and mm-hmm. calling it, in my family, we started calling it Thai giving. Um, I don't know why it's just, it just, it just randomly happened. And, and that's my, like, as a whole, that's our favorite food as a family. I also am very partial to Indian food, but as a whole, we all super, super love Thai and it's like top three for all of us. So we eat a lot of that. So tomorrow we're just eating some random stuff and, you know, it's just going to be three of us. So, you know, we're just eating some random stuff and I don't know. John was like, he's like, uh, the next day, like, do you want to have pancakes? And I'm like, don't you think you might want to have leftovers instead of making pancakes the next day? And he's like, uh, maybe. So yeah. I'm like John where I think about holiday, like brunch, like I don't care about holiday, but I'm like, um, so we're going to do this brioche vanilla French toast situation. And it's so funny because like, you know, I'm going to make a main meal, like main dish for Thanksgiving. My mom is going to make one and John's make one. And then we have like some salads and, you know, stuff like that side things. So I'm like, that sounds like a lot for three people. Like I expect to have a lot of leftovers, but I guess he's planning on a different situation. So we'll see how that goes yeah for sure well in the spirit of thanksgiving one i do always want to say that we are very thankful and grateful for you guys listening especially this year because it's been a journey and us kind of restarting and i don't think either of us expected for listenership to be as strong as it was we were kind of like "Eh, we're just coming back and everybody's gonna be super annoyed that we took such a long sabbatical and didn't really give updates and we were kind of in our own silos but you guys have really been listening to this show, which is in, is it like I couldn't have fathomed when we decided to restart recording um, in January. So I am very grateful. It is a labor of love to bring the show to you. Like it's not always easy, the coordination we do, but I'm thankful for the guests that we've had. We've had some phenomenal guests. We'll do a best of episode where we'll talk about some of our favorites, but we could not be any more thankful, especially on my end. I'm thankful for Charisma for putting in the time and the work to show up and, and be here and put in the work to talk to the guest, even though she's disrespectful of her time. <laughs> and she really puts a lot of work in writing the show notes or the questions and getting that ahead of time for people so they're prepared. And obviously her being the gentler of the two, because I, if it was just me, <laughs> it would not be a nice show. I'd be so mean. So, And I'm I, like so thankful for you for being our tech queen, because like the show would not, it wouldn't, I would just like, I wouldn't even think I could get, I would, I was going to say it, I would record it and then it would like go nowhere, but I don't even think I could get to that part um, because I would be like, nope, I'd mess up sending out the links. Like it would just be like a disaster. Um, and I think that like in general, I'm really thankful that I've learned the things that I'm not good at and just like started to be like, Hey, you're good at these things and I'm not. So like, let's, let's sit in that and like be cool with it. And like that, that's what's so, I think that that has been one of the reasons we've been able to be so consistent this year, despite the world like falling around us is because we both just have our things that we do for this podcast that we're both really good at and we just do them and that's it. You know what I mean? So it just, it's just such a well-oiled machine. And it's funny because a lot of times we'll have guests on and, you know, at the end of the episode, I'm always like, okay, so you can expect um, an email from Angelica tomorrow morning with a podcast. And people, even though I've already told them, like, it goes up the next day, they're always like, 
oh my God, it goes up the next day. And I'm like, yeah, cause she's amazing. So it's going to be up like tomorrow. So, you know, it's, um, you know, it's just one of those things where it's, I'm just thankful that we both know the things we're great at. And I think that we've kind of like decided to own that and just, we do them and it's awesome. Yeah. I think that's being older, being entrepreneurs for a very long time. Um, and understanding and wanting to respect the space you're in and really loving what you do and not wanting mm-hmm. to get distracted by the things you don't want to do. Yeah. And I think you just get 100%. to a certain age where you're yeah. like, uh, I don't want to do that anymore and I'm going to pay someone to do it yep. or I'm going to find a friend that can do that for me. And that's yeah. what happens now. And I think it's interesting to move into this next phase of entrepreneurship, but the season has really been about uh, us moving into more of the expertise of what we're doing and not really... I don't want to come on across as like an infant in my business or in my strategy, like what I do. I'm very much like I've been doing this stuff for 15 years. You've been doing entrepreneurship as a whole for the same amount of time. Like we know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We're showing up. We're we're doing what we need to do and moving on. And I think the episode is talking about your new venture with your partner. And it's very insightful. It's very thorough, please, if you're interested in the topic, even if you're not it's something that all people are affected by. So you do need to bring a pen and paper. I you know we say that all the time, but I mean really do and write down some of this stuff because it's very important and it affects a very large uh, percentage of the population. Yeah. And this is definitely a very personal episode for me. I think top two personal episodes, the other one being the one where I talk about my anxiety. So we're going to like get into all the things today. I definitely almost had a little mini panic attack before (laughs) recording this morning. Um, So I'm glad that we already like got the recording out of the way. Sometimes like that is just the hardest part is just like getting it up. But Uh, I'm I'm really excited for everyone to kind of just like hear what we have to say and just, you know, kind of just be a part of this journey with us because I mean, the people that listen to this podcast, y'all have been in our lives, some of you since day one. And it's really awesome. Like some of you will like wait for forever to reach out, which you should not do. Like write to us and say what's up whenever. But like, I think that like you and I have seen this year a lot with our product businesses, people coming out of the woodworks and being like, hey, I love you and I've supported you for five years. Like I've been listening and we're like, you don't have to just tell us now that we have product businesses. Like we just want to hear from you all the time. So reach out. Yeah, and also, um, just as a content warning, we are talking about abuse, not in any detail at all. I think we may have mentioned one specific situation, but not in, in great detail. But if you are in a place where your space is not for you, I would recommend just turning off and going back to last week's episode and listening to that instead, or listen to your favorite episode that you've listened to before. Um, I do want to be, uh, you know, sensitive to people's needs. Or listen to the anxiety episode. Yeah, uh, listen to the mental health episode. If you're triggered by abuse, um, then the anxiety episode is a great place to start and uh, get some help that way. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, you guys, it's Friday. This will be going out on a Friday. So it's um, Black Friday. I'm sure. um, I don't know about you. Are you doing a thing? Are you selling, doing sales or anything? Yeah, I'm going to do a little bit of sales. So okay. look out so, for that on the yeah, gram. Go to, I'm going to put something on the gram. I need to buy candles. I haven't done it. I'm a bad person. but I No, like- you're not at all a bad person. I... <laughs> It's, I'm glad that like, cause I, I think when you and I launched, like we talked about how some people would buy like on payday and stuff like that. And I'm glad that people have like 
not everybody is buying that. Like people are like, some people are like, Oh, like they're reaching out and they're like, tell me the difference between these two scents or whatever. So it's nice because you know, when everyone buys on the first day, it seems like it's great, but it's, it is great. I'm not saying I'm not thankful for it, but it can be a little overwhelming because you're like, Oh my God. And then you're like, should I do a second run? And I don't know. So I'm only doing one run for Christmas because I am moving like right after Christmas. So yeah, I'm, we still have a little bit left in the shop. So I'm excited about that. We are out of one scent already. And then another scent I have like only two candles left of. So they are going. Um, but yeah, there's still three that I have a good amount of. Yeah. And I will be, I, I had plans <laughs> for the sales. I will see what I'm doing. It may change my mind a little bit. But um, that will be out. I'm like, I'm like out. I don't want to fully commit. I have two different options, and I'm still kind of like, <gasps> which of these do I? Really I mean, want I have to? a whole list, but the thing is, I feel like everybody once again, and I feel like this was a holiday, and I think we'll maybe we'll touch on a little bit because we knew holiday would have to come out early, and retail pushed it so much earlier than yeah. everyone else was anticipating, and I think we all kind of agreed that like the week after election day. Or the election mm-hmm. week, or even the last week of October, would really be when you were going. And big box retailers were like, October fifteenth, we've released our right. entire holiday collection, and da da da. And so it's like now you're playing this game of catch up. And the same thing with with Black Friday is that a lot of people started all month Black Friday. Yeah, so Black Friday started you know last week, two weeks of Black Friday. So it's you can't keep up, and it is a little discouraging because it's kind of frustrating because there are people who you know, have big competitors in the space. Obviously, I, you know, there's no one large greeting car stationary retailer, you know, it's kind of all over the place. So it's not that that standard is for me, but there are people who I look at who are smaller businesses, but larger than I am. And I was, you know, kind of in the peer space being like, okay, we're all kind of on the same page. And a lot of people are like, no, we're going full Amazon <laughs> and we're doing this and that. And so I was kind of like, is this smart? So strategically, I need to look back at my plan to make sure that it's makes smart, sense. that yeah. it makes sense, well, and that I'm not trying to just is, do it to do it. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm like, I am not a big business. I am one person. So it's like, you're not going to be, it's not going to be like, get eight candles free because I pour each one by my own hand. You know what I mean? So it's like the effort and the craftsmanship is still going into each and every product that I'm delivering. So the deals are not going to be, I'm not Yankee candle. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a factory and like there's more quality there because everything is soy. There's no toxins or anything disgusting in my candles. So, you know, the quality is, is, is going to still be there, which means the price will still be there, but I am going to do a little bit of an end of the year deal. So, um, and I might do a moving, a moving sale as well. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I definitely have inventory that I want to clear up. Yeah. Like I'm like, depending on what I have left over, there might be another, like, like a a boxing day. Is that like, that's the day after Christmas. So it might be a boxing day. day. Yeah. Boxing day sale as well. Um, just because that'll kind of be my moving sale because I I really don't want to bring much inventory with me to DC. So Well, friends, thank you guys again for listening and being here. And we will be back on our regular schedule pending that, you know, as per usual, we still have a a president in office that can go to war anytime. So to me, I'm like, it's pending that we are in 
a crisis. <laughs> we should be back. If we're next here, we're recording. Uh, so we thank you guys for listening. As always, you can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. We are on Amazon. We are on Spotify. We're on all your little itty bitty podcast distribution apps. So just look us up. And you and can follow will... us along on Instagram and Facebook at Heart and Hustle Podcast. And at Twitter, we're at Heart Hustle Pod. Yes, so ask Alexa to play us at Thanksgiving around your family. Yeah, so be part of your your stay at home Zoom Thanksgiving uh, tradition. Pull up one so on ra- if you're, you're white. Pull up one on race if you're doing a- <laughs> If you woke up and, just, and chose and violence, you don't have to say anything. You could just sit back and be like, hmm, you know, that'll be fun. Let if us you woke up and chose violence, play <laughs> any of the episodes with Ben in it. Uh, yes. yeah. <laughs> so, a good one. <laughs> thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. So I have big news on the podcast today. I'm really excited to share this with you. You're the first people that I'm sharing it with outside of my inner circle. So I am starting a nonprofit with one of my best friends, and this nonprofit is going to be called Love Doesn't Hurt. So a lot of you already know that I've been an entrepreneur for the past 12 years, but what you probably didn't know is that I started out working in nonprofits, um, and I started volunteering in them when I was only about like 14 years old, and then turned around and started working in them um, as soon as I was 18. So I have a long history with nonprofits, um, and you also probably do not know this about me is that I was actually abused when I was 12 years old and almost married when I was 17. So between the ages of 12 and 18, um, you know, I dealt with a lot of different types of abuses and I don't want to see anyone else in that same situation. So when my good friend Anna came to me with her story, which was eerily similar to mine and this amazing idea, I immediately knew that we had to do it. So Anna's here on the podcast with us today. I'm so excited about it. So Anna, go ahead and say hi to our listeners, introduce yourself, and let us know a little bit more about Love Doesn't Hurt. Oh, thank you, Charisma. Um, yeah, my name is Anna Aswood. Um, my background is not in nonprofits. <laughs> <laughs> um, my background is in psychology. I have a bachelor's degree of psych- in psychology from UCF, and then I went on to get my master's in counselor education, school counseling. Um, from there, I was a school, high school counselor for 11 years. And throughout that time, I did a lot of, um, I taught some mentoring classes. I ran programs for at-risk youth and providing counseling interventions for those who needed it. Um, Love Doesn't Hurt really came about. I was, I have been a stay-at-home mom now for almost three years. And just in wondering, like, what am I supposed to do with myself after my kids start going to school full time? Uh, what's my next step? Um, I had the opportunity to really delve deep into the healing process from the trauma and the abuse that I have um, unfortunately um, been a victim and survivor of. And through that healing, I really, I remember one day telling my husband, uh, I think I want to start a nonprofit about teenage dating violence. I knew that there was a, a lack of awareness in the schools. Um, I've never had a presentation in the schools as a counselor about dating violence in the 11 years that I worked. So I knew that there was a missing link there and that, that dating violence was happening all over the place. So um, I happened to mention it to John and Charisma when they were over one night and she said, yes, let's do it. So we kind of just started from there and love doesn't hurt has blossomed. 
Um, it's been an amazing experience. And the mission of Love Doesn't Hurt is to end dating violence and support those affected through education, empowerment, and community support. So um, I love this idea because I recently learned about via Twitter about the Every 15 Minutes program, which I feel like all of us grew up in Southeast. That's not really a thing here. Um, it's a program directly that does two days of dramatization and like to teach people about drunk driving and the effects of uh, driving while impaired. And it's insane. <laughs> like not to be like, you know, neg- in a negative way, but it is, it can, to me, it sounded really, it's very much like the, the active shooter drills where it's very like hands-on mm, and dramatic yeah. and like you get classmates that act and they show up like with blood and there's people in the car and mm-hmm. they go to a funeral yes. and they like life light people. And so I feel like because obviously there's a problem, it started out of Canada. It's something that the U.S. has adopted. It's very big in the West Coast. Because this is something that has happened so much that we needed to create this program, I can see what Love Doesn't Hurt is doing being this the same thing. Like, yeah. this is so impactful. And in fact, like, teenage dating violence is such a big deal. We all watched Degrassi. We were all yep. there. We saw all this stuff happening to yep. Terry. We remember. Um, so it's not like, if it's big enough to be made in every teenage show drama, which it pretty much is in every drama, like, then it's a problem. Yeah. How do we address yep. the problem and how do we come up with a solution? And I think you guys are moving towards that place where we are getting the solution. And I'm very excited that you guys are working on this and dedicating your time to this because this is something that I think is kind of in the back of people's minds and the fact that you are way out of high school. We all are. And that you're yeah. like, hey, we need to go back and take care of these kids that are coming out, no matter how savvy or how much resource, many resources they have. This still is going to happen, obviously. The internet's not going to change teenagers and behaviors and, and things. So. I'm yeah, and very thrilled. You know, I feel like most adults, like we, I think that we focus on like domestic violence type situations a lot, like with adults. Like we think about like the mom who can't leave because, you know, she has children and is staying for the kids or, you know, whatever the situation may be, which that was John's childhood growing up, right? But we don't think about the fact that like this is happening to teenagers. And if like grown adults can't figure out how to get out of these situations, how do we expect like teenagers to have the skill set to escape these situations, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when did you guys decide to start the nonprofit and what initial steps did you take into doing so? Because I think there are people who now through COVID have been at home quarantining, thinking of different ideas to start, you know, nonprofits. And we really want to go on that journey with you. So please tell us a little bit of what you did to get started. Yeah. So I actually wanted to start a nonprofit before I ever thought that I would own a business. Like I didn't grow up wanting to be an entrepreneur. Like I grew up wanting to own a nonprofit and I have an uncle who owns a nonprofit up in Baltimore that is, uh, you know, really successful. He does a great job and he's just so passionate about what he does. He works all the time, like more than anyone I ever have met in my whole life. And you can just tell like every single day, like he goes into work just knowing that he is like living his purpose. Right. And so I've always been attracted to that sort of idea. And like I said, I started like volunteering with nonprofits as a teenager and then working with them as soon as I was old enough to work. So I always knew that it was something I wanted to start. And I would sit and talk to my cousins about it. And like my cousin Ian would be like, well, one day I'll be a lawyer. And so when you're a non, like when you start a nonprofit, like I can help you with paperwork and, you know, and things like that. So I always knew I wanted to do it, but you know, life just starts happening. And then you're like, whoa, you wake up and you're 33. And you're like, hmm, like, is this ever going to happen? So 
lately, like I've been thinking a lot about like, is this something that's going to happen for me? And the biggest thing for me is that I just didn't know what I wanted to focus it on because there's so many great causes out there. And when you're starting a nonprofit, you really want to offer something that's very specific. Um, especially if you're getting like, you know, donations and things like that, like people want to know exactly what you're doing. And I had a really hard time with like narrowing that down, which is obvious by my career as an entrepreneur, because I do so many things. Right. And so you can do that when you own your own business, but with a nonprofit, you have to get specific. Um, so that was something that was a challenge for me. So, um, you know, flash forward to now, you know, it was about March. It was actually right before quarantine. Uh, we were celebrating Anna's youngest child's birthday, I think maybe. And um, we were just sitting and she decided to tell me about all of the stuff that she has been going through in therapy and open up to me about all of that. And immediately I was like, oh my God, like I've had some similar experiences. Like this is so wild that we've known each other for 15 years. And we've never talked about this, you know? And so pretty much that day she was like, I think, I think I want to start a nonprofit doing this. And I was like, let's do it. So immediately then we wanted to do it. And I I think about maybe a week and a half later, COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So then we were navigating through COVID. And so we had to kind of put it on the back burner to like legit, like literally like stay alive because we didn't know what was happening at that point. Um, so once things started to, I don't want to say calm down because COVID is obviously still raging all over the country. Let's not forget that. Um, but once we learned how to navigate it a little bit, bit better, I'll say we sat down and got serious about, you know, getting the steps done and we really wanted to get everything done before I leave, um, for, uh, DC because there's a lot of paperwork involved. And so we probably got serious about it like in September and it's just kind of been like boom, boom, boom since then, especially because Anna has like handled most of the paperwork and she's been amazing about that. So I'll let her tell you about the actual steps to take to do so. Yeah. So again, I'm, my background is not in nonprofit, um, at all. So, uh, you know, once we really had an idea of what we wanted to specifically work on, uh, what was the actual problem that we were trying to solve with a nonprofit and provide um, awareness to? I reached out to a friend who had already started a nonprofit about 10 years ago. And she said, Anna, you need to go to the library, <laughs> like the actual library, and get every book you can find on nonprofits. That was step one. I got about like you eight did. books, yeah. eight books. And I literally read through all those books. I took copious notes. Um, I even did a course on LinkedIn about how to start nonprofits. Um, I took it very seriously because I figured if we're going to do it, let's do it right. So I tried to educate myself doing it that way. And then once you have an idea of what you want to do, you really need to start researching, is there another nonprofit out there doing what you are doing Um, to make sure that you're not, someone's not already doing it. And I already knew that working in the school system, there was no one serving at least Seminole County in terms of dating violence prevention programs. So um, one of the first things you want to do is go on to uh, sunbiz.org. And that's where you will uh, search to um, see if someone else already has the name of the organization that you want to have. We had Love Doesn't Hurt was our is our name. We searched it. No one else in Florida um, had that name. So we were able to register with it. Now, with nonprofits, I've learned it's state by state. So someone else in another state could have a similar name. But since nonprofits are um, 
governed under the state. It's with your state. So Florida um, does it through SunBiz. And um, once you once you have your name, you can and you get your organizing um, information ready. You can go ahead and file for your articles of incorporation. Um, which what you need for that is at least three names of your directors. You have to have at least three directors in the state of Florida. Um, you have to have your purpose. You have to have like, why are you, should you be tax exempt? Uh, your address and just other identifying information. It really doesn't take that long to complete the articles of incorporation, but you just need to have that information ready. Um, and it doesn't cost too much, it's about $61. So once you incorporate, the next thing you need to do is get an employee identification number through the IRS website. And that is probably the easiest thing. <laughs> That's the easiest part of the entire process. Um, you just go online and you register for an EIN and I immediately got one. It took me 10 minutes. Um, even if you don't think you're going to have any employees ever, you still need an EIN. Um, it's like having a social security number for your, for your nonprofit. You have to have one. It's how they identify you. Uh, the next step is going on to the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Goods, and you need to register with them. Again, providing all of your identifying information, what your plans are in receiving donations, and you you register with them. They approve you, and every year you have to go back and re-register with them, and you provide a financial report every year um, so that they are tracking how much money you are taking in with donations. So after you do that and you get your approval, you really want to sit down and create that business plan. And in all honesty, you've probably already done some of this before you started, uh, but now it's put it on paper and really take the time to develop a sound and thorough business plan for, for several reasons. One, your funding sponsors may want to see that paperwork before they give you any money. Um, and two, it helps tremendously with filling out your 501c3 paperwork. Um, if you plan to apply for the tax exempt status, you need all that information and, and more <laughs> from my experience. Um, within that business uh, plan, you're going to sit down and develop a vision and mission statement and, you know, take your time with that. Make sure that you're really getting your message across in a concise way with your mission statement and with your vision statement, you know, you can be a little more broad and, and see and kind of explain what you want to do for the future. Um, after we did that, we held our first board meeting where you get your board members to vote you in. And um, that allows you then to go open a bank account. <laughs> um, to open a bank account for a nonprofit, you need your articles of incorporation. You need your EIN number. You need the board minutes showing that you are authorized to open up that bank account. You also need bylaws, um, which I spent a lot of time writing bylaws and researching them um, to kind of go over how your organization is going to run. And again, I took a lot of time making sure to do that properly. 14 pages of bylaws, you guess. Yeah, it's, it's a serious document. <laughs> Very serious. Um, and then once you have your non the, the bank account opened, 
we moved on to branding and websites and logos and redoing more research and, you know, and et cetera. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, but that's kind of like your, how you get started to doing a nonprofit in the state of Florida. Every state could be different, a little different in how they do things. Um, but that's what we have done. And um, we just filed our 501c3 paperwork on Saturday. So that was a huge milestone to get that paperwork done um, and submitted. And now we just wait. We're just pending approval. So we're very, very excited about that. Yes, but we can take donations now, which is Correct. great. And we can still give people like their, you know, when people donate and they want to get their like tax exempt information, we can still give that, which is wonderful. Another yes. thing that's really different between a nonprofit and starting a business is that a nonprofit, they make you like guesstimate on three years of what your budget's going to be. They're like, what do you think is going to happen? And it's like, obviously very challenging because you're like, I don't know. Um, so that was a major difference yes. between the two processes and definitely something that we had to consult with a few accountants and a few people who already work in nonprofits to kind of like navigate that situation. Yeah, I think that's um, maybe this is a recent thing, because when we opened our bank account, we had to do that. Like that really? was really, yeah, our business. I bank didn't. Account. Oh, that wow. Definitely. But I we definitely opened that. ours way later than you opened yours. Okay. So I think that's a, just a new kind of standard. Yeah, and it's not been I very recently, recent, but it's been in the past, like, at least yeah. eight to ten years. Okay, yeah, because I opened mine, like, uh, probably, like, 11, like 12, yeah, 11 or 12 yeah. years ago. Because, you know, like, my uncles were like, you got to right, get right. this all legit, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, um, yeah, I remember it being so easy. And I remember also being really young and just being like, y'all are just going to give me a business bank account? Like, you're just going <laughs> to, like, that's it? Like, that's all. I did need, a, like, an EIN, of course, but, like, that was yeah. it. It was just pretty much, like, EIN and my ID. And I was like, hi, I got a business. And they were like, all right. Oh, no. Yeah, banks do not <laughs> care about you anymore. They're like, we're, your, we're not your friend. They, like, the, the thing about, I think, the difference between opening a business bank account and a personal bank account in 2000, 2020, because we've opened bank accounts we have several um, <laughs> different banks, just because I like to know how things work in the finance yeah. sector is that um, if you get a local branch that's out looking for you, and I know like people say go to your, you, you know, your credit union for your, I would, we live in Florida and we are, I am a black woman. Um, I would not recommend that <laughs> just for your business bank account, because the likelihood of a credit union in the state of Florida folding is very high. Um, just being realistic on how banking and finance and things are going. And uh, yeah, I, just horror story. So we did go with a, you know, we have accounts with some bigger banks and then we have some accounts with um, online banks. But when I opened with like a bigger bank um, and we went down, we sat down and we we're talking about business. And he was like, what's your three-year, you know, projected, you know, income or whatever. And like, this is what it is. And then he was super gracious to be like, these are all the resources we have. Obviously, that was pre-COVID. A lot of those resources do not exist. You do not go in a bank and talk to people anymore. Like, that's, that's not a thing. <laughs> you just don't. A lot of banks laid off yeah, we a were lot the of their only workers and stuff. The yeah, when we were in there, which mm -hmm. was wild. And we were and there this is, for, like, three hours. Yeah, probably, yeah. If not more, yeah. longer. It was long so time. long. And we actually had to leave and come back because we had to get signatures from Margot, who's our secretary. Yeah. And literally, like, when we came back, we were still the only people there. Yeah, like it was and this happened wild. before COVID. They started cutting the salary. Like it, banks just started cutting people in. So like even when like my husband opened a bank with the credit union locally, 
um and went in and like he would be like the only person in there like it, it didn't matter what day what time yeah. like on a busy like you think after when i used to go to like wachovia back when i first had a job you know and never mm-hmm. and i would go yeah. friday after payday it was like a line wrapped around the door like everybody's there hanging out and then he'd go to this bank and you know last year no matter what time it was he was the only person so banks have really like cut down on internal resources to try to push because they're fighting against these online banks because you can start a bank yeah. account online with exactly you and you can up, even so. start a bank account with like the major bank places online as yeah well. yeah honestly like i never go to the bank and i will say that anna made us an appointment which I think is very necessary in a situation like this because there's so much paperwork involved and like, and like before the appointment, she was able to just double check and be like, this is all the stuff we need. Right. And they're like, okay, yes. So, Mm -hmm. which there ended up still being like, they didn't even tell us all the things we needed. Like when we got there, they were like, oh, you also need this, which is why we had to leave and go get a signature from Margo. So even with that, it's like they still didn't tell us everything. So I would definitely recommend like calling them ahead of time and just double checking with them because yeah, for sure. yeah, you can't you can't just walk in because this is something that not every bank teller is going to know how to do. You know yep. what I mean? So mm-hmm. not all of them necessarily know how to like open up a nonprofit account. So yeah, it's pretty wild. It's exciting. Well, what people and communities will love doesn't hurt be serving, and how will you be serving them? So right now the plan is that we will be serving uh, high school students in the central Florida area. Um, we're starting in Seminole County. I, I, because I worked in Seminole County for so long, I do have contacts there still. Um, and then also Orange County. And then we will be growing and expanding as much as possible to include other counties in the surrounding areas. We also want to look at um, areas up in Virginia where Charisma is going to be moving to. Um, but we're going to be serving the adolescents by providing them education through direct contact when I'm allowed to get direct contact with them, um, by speaking in classes, providing the schools with educational flyers to lead them to our social media platforms where they can even learn more about healthy boundaries. Um, we will be speaking directly to all school counselors and administrators about what to look out for. Um, in regards to students being in unhealthy relationships, and then what steps can they take? Uh, you know, we, we strive to create a culture of safety and teach the signs of healthy relationships um, so that the support and care can be given uh, to the students. Um, and there's so many different types of, of teenage dating violence that are out there, right? So there is the physically abusive, emotionally abusive, sexually abusive. Um, but they can also experience psychological aggression, which would include that intimidation, threatening behavior, stalking, um, which is highly prevalent, uh, especially with the use of social media. Um, people can track their boyfriend or girlfriend's phones and find out where they are. Um, so we really want to help get those affected, get the help that they need to help themselves physically and mentally be safe. Um, my in goal, like my long-term goal really is to work with the districts and develop some guidance documents for schools for what to do when you have a student who you think is involved in a, an abusive relationship. They have awesome programs and guidelines for bullying, which as they should, it's a terrible problem, but so is teenage dating violence. We just don't, one, have it reported as much because I don't think people realize that they're involved in a abusive relationship um, and not understanding the uh, the ways that, that that works. So I really, that's one of my goals is to work with the districts, get a, a guidance document, work with law enforcement, work with 
uh, the school district, work with mental health counselors, and all try to sit down and help educate the administrators, the teachers, parents, um, and the students to try and get them the best help possible and educate and bring awareness to it. Yeah, and we definitely like we're open to being in community centers. We've talked to our treasurer, who actually is an accountant um, at a library, and she's talked about getting us into libraries. So pretty much any place that we can get into where there's going to be young people, we're all for that. And, you know, obviously, like, like I said before, when you have a nonprofit, you need to be very specific with like, who you are targeting to help and what exactly you are doing. But I also think that, you know, in this sort of work, you know, you find that even if you're just involved, like if you're a volunteer, or if you're one of the teachers that are helping so many people are affected by this sort of thing, it hits close to home Mm -hmm. for so many people. And sometimes when you're serving a community, you end up getting served yourself. And I think that it's like, you know, we all know that hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. uh, But I feel like we don't focus enough on the fact that healing people help people. So I, I do think that it's just one of those things that when you're involved in this work, whether it's just you know, resharing something on social media, or if you're a guidance counselor who's actually doing one-on-ones with students, like, I think it'll benefit anyone who is involved in the program at all. So, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I mean, I think this is so important that people at least show up or volunteer or do some work with a nonprofit at least once in your life. And it does change your life. Like, it doesn't matter what the nonprofit is. It is it changes the way you view things, um, especially when you get to work with people directly in instances like you guys will be doing or, you know, obviously feeding people who are, have lower incomes or whatever, working at domestic violence shelter, all of those things change the way you look. And so I really love that you said healing people helps people because it is true. Like you, once you get into that habit of going out of your way to, to impact someone else's life, and it's a small thing, looking at someone as a human to human outside of what their circumstance is when you're volunteering is miraculous. Like I've seen it over and over again, someone just coming up to me and saying, Hey, thanks for looking at me as a person, or thanks for looking at me or helping me or taking the time out of your day. I'm sure you're busy. Da, da, da. And it's like, of course, like, you know, and this is something that they haven't heard because they're escaping a situation that is outside of their control, but still society looks at them as being a sum of their situation. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'm yeah. So I, I'm excited about this, what we're doing that, and the fact that like I just see the potential for people being healed and having uh, things to do, and even for parents. I mean, like I, yes. I can't imagine being a parent and then finding out that your child has been in a abusive relationship. Like what? Like I and then what do you do? You go to Google.com and get bad advice. You know what I mean? Like there's right. no no guide or whatever for parents. There's no resource for them to talk. You know, I'm sure there there's nothing. Yeah. So I'm excited for you guys to create that. And I'm looking forward to the day when this is so impactful to the people because I don't think I can explain via this podcast how impactful this will be for people in the future. Yeah. Um, so... Funding is stressful um, as part of running a nonprofit. One of the first websites we did, the first responsive websites we did on the first websites, but um, no, not even the first, like the first responsive website we ever built in 2010 was for a nonprofit to help our friends raise money to build school where my child attends now. And they ended up raising, I think, three something mil through the website. And so I can understand, but that was not fun. And and I (laughs) didn't find somebody who who had to go through that after this uh, episode. (laughs) Going with through the process of going to think through this, like we um, 
one of the fun things we did where people would donate is that they were buying a brick. And so we put brick images where it's like you click on the amount and this is the amount of bricks you get. Like, so we really had to think through this in a web experience in a way that it hadn't been thought of before. And I think it was really effective, but however, it doesn't matter. Funding is not easy. (laughs) And it's not not. funny. You have to, it's really relational and it's a lot of talking and I'm sure it's going to be a challenge. (laughs) So what is your plan to get funding for your nonprofit organization? So my cousin um, who works at my, now she works at my uncle's uh, nonprofit. She's been working in nonprofits for years and years and years though. So she had asked us that the other day, not like a few months ago when we were on a call with her. And I was just like, I guess everything, right? Because when you're first starting out, you have to kind of see what is really going to work for us. And like the community that we're speaking to, uh, you know, what are, what are they going to feel best about doing and, you know, different nonprofits can make money in different types of ways. So it's just kind of like, what's going to be the best fit for us. Um, so we recently just actually this last weekend, we did like our first little event. And as you already know, I obviously sell candles through Kisma and Charisma. So we just decided Anna's neighborhood was having like a holiday market, that was just all like local people that live in the neighborhood and that own businesses and just coming out and they were selling stuff and it was super safe. Everyone wore masks. They did a really good job at it. So we went out and sold candles because we were like, maybe we'll raise Mm -hmm. some money for the nonprofit. And it actually went really, really well. So I think that we will do a lot of events like that, smaller events, like local events in like the Orlando community. Um, Obviously we're not going to be doing a ton right now with COVID. um, But that is something that as soon as COVID is over, like I'm really, really excited to get into events. And with my background in weddings, like I'm lucky in that I know so many people around town that are going to be willing to work with us and give us, you know, discounts and, and deals and stuff when it comes to places and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So I'm excited for that. We also do want to get into um, auctions online because I've seen people do like these Instagram auctions and things like that. And they really clean up, like they do a really good job and you can get stuff donated by different people. You can have like a theme to the auction. So I think that that will be a fun thing to partner with different people on. And then we're also planning to partner with businesses as well. Um, As anybody who follows me on Instagram knows that I basically live at Create. Um, And so that is definitely one of the places that, you know, I want to be talking to Quay who owns Create and seeing about us having some sort of event where um, maybe like a kickback of a certain percentage of coffee sales will go to the nonprofit. So we definitely want to do stuff like that. There's just so many, so many things that, we can do really yeah um we have lots of plans because I was, when i read that question i was like well this is a huge part of yeah and we had to sit down and really think about okay how are we gonna fundraise for this how are we gonna get the money and so we you know our plans are obviously individual donors um and i i think that with this type of nonprofit, dating violence can hit everyone right it's not just a certain person, a certain, you know, section of people, it's everybody can be uh, affected by it. And so I, as I've talked to people, I realized they're like, yeah, that happened to me or yes, my sister or whatever it is. And I think that when we really get that awareness out there, that personal connection um, will, will help uh, bring in donations because they've, they've been through it themselves or they've know someone that's been through it. Um, we're also going to be selling merchandise on the website. Once we have that up and running, um, we would our 
you know, goal is to develop a program that can be purchased to be put into schools or churches or organizations, community centers. Um, and then we're also going to be applying for grants, um, which <laughs> I yes. started to work on making a list of all the different types of private grants, foundations, or companies, and then also federal grants. Um, one thing we are doing is we are partnering with, uh, my sister Ashley has a jewelry business called Wander and Lust Jewelry. Um, and she has graciously agreed to give us part of her proceeds on Giving Tuesday and give it to the nonprofit. So we're super excited about that and very thankful that she's willing to do that. So we look to kind of do that some of that more, work with some small business owners to promote their business, and then they can um, donate to the nonprofit as well. That's super exciting. The, the opportunities are amazing. And I'm, again, very excited to see where it grows from here because there's only up. So what does the day-to-day life look like when you're running a nonprofit? Uh, busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. It's it's a lot. I am not going to sugarcoat it. I am a stay-at-home mom of three kids. So I have to be very strategic in how I get the work done. Um, so I have three hours during the day where all my kids happen to be in school. Um, so I work for those three hours. I work on the things that I really need to have focus on. Um, and I work at night when my husband can watch the kids after dinner and I work on the weekends. Uh, you know, Charisma and I, we meet once a week to kind of go over, okay, where are we at? What action items have we completed? Which ones do we need to extend or add? Um, we literally cross things off the list and then we just move down to the next thing because there is always something else to be done. Um, but the, the daily tasks can include, I mean, it's endless. I've done so much research on stats. I think the document is like 18 pages long at this point of all research and all um, reference statistics researching funding sources, securing bank accounts, writing bylaws, uh, contacting board members, holding board meetings, filling out all the forms and documents um, that you need for all your paperwork, writing speeches for different organizations when you have talks, um, developing resource pages for our prospective clients. I mean, the list (laughs) could go on and on and Charisma does a lot of stuff that I, I don't even know how she does it all. But um, those are the things that I do, and it is hard to get all of that done in the amount of time that I have. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually, like, to me, it's helpful that you have kids because I have, like, my business. So it's like none of us can – neither of us can dedicate, like, as much time as I think Mm -hmm. we would like to the nonprofit. But that's kind of like – I think it's a good thing because it it really pushes us to be so focused during the time that we have. And, you know, like Anna was saying, like we have a weekly standing meeting. I think that that's been really helpful because we know that no matter what, like we have that meeting, we're going to be checking in. And again, it's one of those things that when you, when you owe something to someone else, it's so much easier, at least for me to get it done. Like I'll get stuff done for the nonprofit before I get stuff done with my business, just because I'm like, Anna needs that. I said that I'm going to get it done. I need to get it done. Uh, But yeah, it it can be similar to running a business where you're wearing a lot of different hats in one day. Like you might start the day working on social media, then do a little bit of grant writing, then read a few articles for research purposes, then send off some emails to your board members and then update your budget. There's so many different roles and so many different things that you can do. I think for me, one of the big differences is that when I started my business, I was so young and just so 
new to the whole thing that I didn't know like how many mistakes I would make. And I didn't know like how annoying those mistakes would be after the fact, like when you have to go back and correct your actions after the fact. Um, and so again, none of them were like massive, but it's just all like a, it's like when you you're you're you know spending money and you know taking in payments and you don't have a system and then all of a sudden you're like oh crap I need a system and then you have to go back and do it after the fact so with this it's been I've been very much like okay we need to make sure that we're doing a b and c but obviously a lot of it is different than running a business so it's just been interesting like making sure that we're on top of things before we actually get to them. Um, and one of the things that we're working on right now, which Angelica, you will love because you, I know you love systems and you love a good audit. So we actually have a few days planned where we're just going to be spending a lot of time writing down every single like thing that anyone could ever do for our nonprofit, like any, anything that could ever come up. And then from that, we're going to be kind of like creating a more structured day-to-day -day process, especially because now we have board members coming in, we have volunteers coming in, we have people saying like, well, what can I do? And, you know, I want to be involved. So we want to be able to give them, you know, some of the, the things to do, but make sure that everything is still getting done and we know what the other person is doing and all that. And, you know, something again, that we've said on the podcast before and Angelica, you're always like such a fan of is like, well, what if somebody gets sick? Like, you need to know that, you know, your business is still running, your nonprofit's still running, whatever. So I told Anna, I was like, if you get the flu or, you know, if I get the flu or whatever, and one of us is out for a few days, like, it's just so important to kind of know, well, what, what activities would they have been able to do? Like, can I cover some of them? Can we call in a volunteer or a board member to cover some of them? So we really want to make sure that, that that gets done because honestly, the day-to-day -day is just it's a lot. <laughs> um, and, and from what I've seen, you know, from nonprofits that are matured, um, is that it's, you know, it's that same thing. You're still going to be wearing a hundred hats a day, but I like that. So <laughs> I like to not get bored. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, obviously <laughs> the, the listeners know I have that issue. I actually was talking to uh, a nonprofit yesterday about systems because they, um, I, I was consulted to talk about some of the changes that they have had to make. And we talked about the need that they need to make sure that processes are written down and also standardizing their visual look and, and feel and talking about design thinking and how that moves nonprofits exceptionally forward versus some other nonprofits who kind of do things the old way. Cause that's the way things have always been done. And, and if anybody's ever worked in a nonprofit, like, as an employee, you understand that when certain things are set in a way, they don't change and they become, you know, outdated. And obviously the, the technology and web moves so quickly. So a lot of nonprofits fall behind because they just don't keep up. So having systems in place allow you to shift and move forward very quickly. And you guys have the experience of working in real life and understanding how the world works so that you're now being prepared for those changes and getting ahead of things before falling behind, which is crucial to surviving and keeping up with the other nonprofits in the sector. So you're doing all the things that I love to do. You know, I love talking about systems. Yeah. <laughs> so nonprofits, speaking of social media, can greatly benefit from having a social media pres presence, but many, 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 many do not have the funds, the resources, the media know-how. They don't understand how social media works. So what is your social media plan going to look like going forward? 
So um, obviously I'm really excited about the social media aspect of all of this because I love social media. Um, and I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of nonprofits on creating their social media plans. So this is where like all of those skills that you, that are all over the place that I'm like, why do I do all these random different things? It's like, they've all come together now. And I'm like, oh, so this was the purpose. Like, this is the lie. Um, so information and empowerment are really going to be the focus of all of our social media plans and, and really are the focus of everything, right? Because we want people to have the information, the tools to hopefully prevent situations that they might find themselves in. And if they are, have already been in those situations or are currently in them getting out and then being able to feel empowered afterwards and knowing that like, you don't have to live the rest of your life, like being, um, you know, just like sad and feeling broken because this thing has happened. So really information and empowerment will be the focus across all platforms. Um, and I want it to be like a safe space for sure. And one of the things I noticed, I used to um, run the social media account for a nonprofit that focused on um, ending rape on college campuses. That was their specific thing. They wanted to end rape on all college campuses. And in running their, especially their Instagram account, what I would find is that people would just, um, you know, we, we'd post something and people would comment and they would just share their stories like right there in the Instagram comments, not even in DMs. Like they'd say, this is what happened to me. I really resonate with this, like, you know, thing that you posted and this is my story and, you know, I'm still going through it or, you know, I've come out the other side or whatever their situation is. And I was at first very surprised by just how quick people were to really uh, share because, you know, I had been through things myself and here I am like working with this nonprofit and like not really sharing my truth yet. Right. And so people were able to share it on social media, which I found to be shocking and also amazing. And so I really want to create a space like that where people feel like this is a community and they can, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, they feel like they can come on and, you know, share their truth and they can talk amongst themselves and, and support and uplift because there was a lot of that um, in that community that I created as well. So that's really like going to be the main focus of our social media. So we're going to have um, Facebook and Instagram. Of course, those are the heavy hitters that everyone has. Um, when you have a nonprofit, you are almost always on Twitter, anything like government or anything nonprofit is, is always on Twitter. So we're going to have that. We're also going to have a Pinterest, which Anna was like, oh, I really want to have a Pinterest. And at first, like my brain was like, it didn't compute for me because to me, Pinterest is such like a happy, like escape type of place. Like I go there and I'm like, Oh, let me like pin pretty stuff or whatever. But then I started thinking about, it, I'm like, you know what, this makes sense because this is something that we need to be able to talk about in all places. And we need to not shy away from it. We need to be like, no, like I'm empowered. And so I like the idea of like us being on Pinterest and, you know, starting to share, you know, like, images and um, words and stuff that are like very empowering, but then also showing stuff that um, like how to meditate and things like that, because that's all a part of the process of healing, right? And we really want to be focused on healing. So we're going to share like information on like how to meditate in five minutes and, you know, how to start your day, like feeling whatever. So I think that all four platforms are going to be a lot of fun for me to run. And hopefully all four of them will be, depending on what sort of platform you prefer, will be a safe space for you. In the future, um, 
I definitely feel like we might even have like a private Facebook group or something like that. That's just for, you know, people that are a little bit more actively involved. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited about our social media plan and I'm, I'm excited that, I mean, I've seen literally nonprofits that are $34 million operations that have terrible social media, like absolutely terrible. Um, and I'm talking about my uncle's nonprofit when I say that. So I'm being very specific. Like <laughs> the social media on there is not good. And I know for a fact that they bring in 34 million a year. And so I've always just been like so perplexed by that because where are young people, right? They're on social media. Like that's where they spend their time. And so how are we going to be reaching out to young people if we're not spending time in the places where they are? Um, I'm even like in the future down to get a TikTok. It's definitely something we talked about. Um, Anna has a niece who is a very, you know, well-versed in TikTok. So yes. um, it's, I'm like, I, I just feel like I'm not going to probably make all the TikToks. Like right. we definitely would have a, a social media team of, you know, a younger, a younger set yeah. of kids <laughs> and they would be making the TikToks and I would oversee the overall plan. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, there's no reason there's so much um, informational content on TikTok now. And so there's no reason that we couldn't be on a platform like that as well. Because again, I just want to go where the kids are and make sure mm -hmm. that they're getting this information in a way that is digestible to them and relatable to them and in a, a space where they feel safe. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I'm so thrilled charisma knows all this stuff because I don't, <laughs> I am social media is not my, my strong suit. So um, I think that's why we kind of pair perfectly as well. But I think, you know, you really hit it on the head about reaching the kids right in the way that they interact, they interact with social media. Um, we will talk with them directly in person, you know, but we will do a lot on social media. And I think, both Charisma and I being willing to stand in the tr our truth, to be vulnerable and, and authentic about what we have been through um, and how difficult our situations were, um, I think will allow people to kind of pull down that shield that they have and let them be vulnerable and authentic as well. And I always felt like if I'm asking people to talk to me about something that's so difficult, I should be able to do the same thing. And so, you know, that to me makes it different. I think because we have experiences, we know what, I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to be in an abusive relationship. Uh, I know what it feels like to be sexually assaulted. Um, and I am 38 and I am still working through that, to be honest. And it's hard, but that's why we're doing this is because we're trying to give resources we're, we want to help. I want people to know you're not alone and here are steps to help yourself. And my gosh, if we can just help that one person that needs it, I'd be happy. I hope it's thousands and thousands more. Um, this has really been a beautiful experience so far. It's only been like a couple of months. So I can't imagine what will come. Um, as the years go on and as we do this work, but I think, you know, charisma's knowledge in social media is such a blessing for us to have because I do not have that. I'm not real big on social media. I, I have Facebook 
I have an Instagram because she made me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm so tired of not being able to tag you. And I don't know what's going on in my Instagram. And also, like, when I babysit the kids, I make really cute stories and I want yes. her to see the story. <laughs> so. I know. It's so true. And I don't use it. I use it to look at her stuff and everyone else's stuff, but I don't post anything. So anyway, she's is our social media guru, and I'm very thankful for her. Yeah, I think once you have kids, you're like, whatever. Um, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I can't. And then Joseph's over here also being a social media guru, but just not using social media. Yeah, I'm like, whatever. (laughs) What's so funny, like, because Dave obviously watches TikTok. He's my, he's, he's of the people. Um, And so by living with a spouse, and I'm sure this is a John situation as well. If your spouse watches TikTok, that means you watch TikTok. It's going all the time in your house. Um, so you know what's happening. I'm not going to lie. The I'm trends. the TikTok person in our house. Yes, I know. I know. I know. And okay. John is, yeah, John yeah. is me. And John he, and I yes, are yes, related. He does, yes. Yeah, he follows so, along with me. <laughs> living with you guys, we we are in, now in TikTok world. And so um, he was watching some psych TikToks. And it was so interesting how much information that, that is shared on, shared on TikTok. And a lot of it is very helpful. However, <laughs> conspiracy theorists love TikTok as well. And that is terrifying. So I'm excited because <laughs> you guys will be on TikTok and that you will be sharing this information because I think we like the kids don't have lifetime movies. Like that's that is right. where I learned yes. about yeah. teenage abuse. Like I will yes. be a hundred percent honest. It was yes. Brian Austin Green always beating some girl. So <laughs> yeah. that is yeah. where I learned about it. And I was like beware of the Brian Austin Greens in your life no matter yeah. how hot they are. They will get you and they, they are manipulative you. and they will like impregnate you and like all these things. <laughs> so that is what my education which probably is not the best Source. Yeah, because so. like you see, like in the movies, like they would show stuff, but then they would be like, "All right, that's the like you know what I mean." Like right. I remember yeah. there was the one um on like uh, bulimia as well, and I remember watching that one. I had an eating disorder at the time when I watched it, but at like there was no what to do next. There was no yeah. correlation. Like um, it just was like, oh, like look at all this terrible stuff she's going through. Okay, and then like I can't even remember what happened at the end, but there was no like here's how to make it better. It was just like, this sucks. And I'm like, okay, so I recognize that part of it, but like, what, like, what, what do, do I, I do? do what are the steps yeah. going forward? So tell anybody in the film, like, so I'm just like, she didn't report it. Like there was no, I just don't understand. No, was there was never any movie. reporting from like, all the guiding counselors that were yeah. in these homes. No. Problematic. Um, so I, I think the kids are learning a lot of stuff now from TikTok and that's what they're doing. And that's where they're kind of regurgitating information. And so it will be helpful to have a mm-hmm. better system mm-hmm. in place of like actual facts. And then the follow-up, like you said, the what to do yeah. if you see yourself having these situations or exhibiting your partners, exhibiting these signs. Cause it's not just, you know, back then it was always like a cute blonde girl and a like really hot, like white dude who, you know right. what I mean? Like it was like, yeah. Oh no, we can't believe these people are in this situation, but it's like people have all kinds of, there is, uh, you know, peer to peer, like your your friend can be abusive and manipulative, and, yes. and there's so yes. many yes. different yes. types yes. of abuse mm-hmm. that we haven't talked about. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see how that goes in the future. For people who are looking to get involved in volunteering, I think COVID has changed the way a lot of people think about the world and has really softened hearts and created this uh, world of empathy, understanding more about empathy. Uh, as we are now surrounded by people who have to make empathetic choices every day, especially this week. How do you plan to utilize volunteers? And I'm sure there are people who are listening who are saying, this sounds like it's amazing. What will you do if I decide to volunteer with you? So we envision using volunteers in every way that we possibly can, yes. um, because we know that we can't do this by ourselves. 
right? There's no way that we can do this work by ourselves. So I think that we can, we can utilize volunteers with definitely social media. I know it's a, it's a lot. So we could use volunteers with that. Um, some content fundraisers when we have actual fundraisers in the community, helping out, helping us out with that research and helping us make contacts in the community. So people are out there like, Hey, I know someone in the school district, or I know someone who would want to help spreading the word, right? If you could, if people could just spread the word about love doesn't hurt and to one person and they go to our website and they like, wow, I learned a lot of stuff and they talk to their friends. And so even not even being like a quote unquote volunteer, but just being willing to be active in the conversation um, is really important. Um, and I think, I hope that parents also start a conversation from seeing this information as well with their teens. Um, so that, that is just a conversation starter, but volunteers, I mean, I know there's probably ways we'll use volunteers that we don't even know of yet. (laughs) We don't know how we're going to use them yet, but we need help. That's what that audit is for, is is figuring out every little last way that we can, you know, utilize working with people. I know that definitely, definitely social media, like I said, like we need a, a street team for, uh, you know, for like these uh, Gen Z, we need Gen Z speaking to Gen Z, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. Need, and whatever is after Gen Z, I don't know that generation, but we need like, it's so important to see people. I think it's important to see people on your own level who've gone through it and then to see people, um, you know, who are older than you who've come out the other side as well. So I think that that's super important. Definitely with events once COVID's over. Um, I don't want to ask anybody to help with events now because any sort of event that is big enough that we would need help, we're not trying to do that right now. But when, you know, COVID is over, I definitely would love to have a few large scale events um, located in Orlando every year and have a lot of volunteers helping out with that. Um, and yeah, like if you, if you're in another district, like let's say you live in Michigan or California, just somewhere completely different. And you're like, this is something I would love to see at the local schools here. Then making that reach out to that contact, asking them if they'd be interested and then connecting us. Like that's a huge, like that right there. Like if you're a teacher in another County and you have those connections, you know, putting us in contact with the, you know, your district leader, your area superintendent, something like that is, uh, that's, you know, that's going to be really valuable resource. So pretty much any way that we can utilize volunteers, we are going to utilize them. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I don't think people understand the power of being a personal champion behind a cause. And Mm -hmm. that championship is what really moves things forward in the nonprofit sector is having one person who strongly believes in a thing and then fighting for this thing in their the place where they are so that this organization can now come in and share its resources or people can be introduced because you there's a barrier always of entry right and you need to know somebody nonprofits it's just it's just relational it just that's what it is and if you're listening to this and you're like hey i'm seeing this pop up a lot in my circles whether it's a mommy group of people who have teens or you know like uh, even preteens i assume yes. like they're starting to get into the situation uh if you're seeing the signs and exhibiting you guys are having the conversations get with your group via zoom and say hey let's talk about having love doesn't hurt come in and maybe give a presentation or talk to us or how we can donate to help better the cause, right? Because we, as millennials, I think we need to start thinking more about being uh, philanthropic and mm-hmm. we're not really there yet. Yeah. Like, I don't think that conversation has come up as much as it was with our grandparents and our parents, especially our grandparents. I feel like the baby boomers 
were really big on being a philanthropist and if they had extra money and having one dedicated cause that they were donating that extra money to. And now that I watch millennial money a lot on um, CNBC, which I've talked about on the show several times, I don't, I don't think I remember someone talking about how, like donating a percentage of their money to a nonprofit. And a lot of these people make a lot of money and they have a lot of extra money and they're like, Oh, well, you know, I got to go order from Uber Eats. I spent $2,000. And I'm like, cool, but you could also be donating to a local nonprofit and make your own sandwiches. Like, I don't you know. Especially because it feels so good. And, like, so many people can do – it's crazy. Like, you can do a lot with, like, a small amount of donation. So it's – you know, I think a lot of people, they think about, oh, well – you know, I'm not rich, so like I can't be a donator. No, it's a micro donation. Yeah, like they think you have to like donate really large amounts of money. But like, let me tell you, like organizations legitimately appreciate five dollars because it's like if you have a million people like each giving a dollar, then you have a million dollars. Like I've always thought of that philosophy when it comes to anything because it's just like you don't have to give a lot to make a big impact, you know. Um, And then again, it's like motivating your friends to give like my birthday is obviously coming up in January. So I'm going to be like, all right, everybody donate money for my birthday. That's going to be what I want this year. But yeah, like I see people starting to do that, which I love, like don't, you know, asking for donations for their birthday to their favorite, you know, causes. Um, But yeah, you just like the, the way you feel when you give, and and even if you're not going to give to like love, just inherent, just give to someone, because let me tell you, like the way you feel afterwards is just do it once and you'll see, like, you just feel amazing. You should do it because it's the right thing to do. But I'm just saying, if you need a selfish reason, do it because you feel really great after. (laughs) (laughs) A thing that you can do, because I do realize our generation is kind of like, it's either you make a, you have a lot of like extra expendable income (laughs) in which you you don't know what to do with it. Or you're one of those people who are bootstrapping. Either way, um, take, kind of commit to like a monthly donation to either one place or different places. And if you are, on that lower income scale, just say, you know, $5 a month. This is all I can give, but I'm going to give $5 a month to a, a nonprofit organization to help mm-hmm. them thrive. And if you have, you know, several, you know, the same way we pay for subscription boxes is the same way we should be yeah. investing yeah. in our nonprofits and having that monthly recur. And it does, number one, I mean, for tax reasons, when you grow up and you make a ton of money, you'll realize, like, why that's such a good thing to start donating your money. But it just, as you said, like, it feels good personally, like, if you're selfish or just it will help someone. The money, yeah. 90% of the time, and I think we hear a lot of shady nonprofit stories where people are like, why would I give them money? They're going to steal it and be, what are they? like that, barely, like it's such a like barely happening issue. Yeah. If every nonprofit was full of skeezy people, then like none of them would, you know what I mean? Like there would be none left and there would be no resources to help people. And if we haven't learned anything in 2020, it means our government is not going to help us deal with issues that directly affect the mm-hmm. people. Yeah. So we have to get down mm-hmm. on the ground and give our money and our time and our resources to do that. And that's helping these nonprofit organizations get out on the ground and do that work because and well, there's no government funding for this. Something Correct. really important to know if you want to do- if you want to donate to nonprofits, and if you if you are like me, which I do like to know, like what is my money going for? Not just with nonprofits. I'm very much like that with businesses. Um, I I will like check out a business, check out the owner. Like I'm like, what are they all about? Like. I'm what did you last them, tweet, like, CEO of the business? Yeah, you know? I'm like I'm very much like I'm like I don't need Chick Fil A, like all that stuff. So if you are wondering, if you're like I'm going to donate to a nonprofit and you want to know, there's actually a website called Guide Charity Star. Navigator and Die Star. Like yeah, Guide Star, like, and you can women. look up like literally like because budgets are 
public record. Public record, yeah. And they have to go, publish them on the website. That's what I don't get about people that donate to places, like to nonprofits, and then they get mad after the fact. I'm like, well, you chose to not look at their budget. Like, it's it has to be pu- It's not like a business. Like, we have to have a public budget. Yes. So I'm like, you can look up the budgets of any nonprofits and see what is, you know, what's going on there. Um, but yeah, ours will definitely be on GuideStar. So like, you're more than welcome to go check it out. You can look at it. You can see exactly what we're doing with our money. Uh, but of course, because we're going to be so active on social media, you'll be seeing a lot of what we're doing anyways. But yeah, I definitely like recommend like when you're donating to a cha- like a, you know, charity nonprofit, like go check out their budget. If you're, if you're wondering, check it out and check out their, you know, social media. If you're like, oh, well, I want to give, you know, $20, but I'm unsure, like email them, like email them and ask what they do because nine times out of 10, like they're going to have no problem telling you this is what we're all about and being transparent with you because that's a part of running a nonprofit is being really transparent about the budget. Yeah. Do everything that Sia did not do. That's all my advice. Yes, I agree. Um, <laughs> so where can our listeners follow you and learn more about Love Doesn't Hurt? So our um, website is going active today. So it'll be up by the time this episode is up. So it is at www.lovedoesnthurt.org. And then we are on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Pinterest, all at Love Doesn't Hurt, Hurt Inc. So Love Doesn't Hurt Inc. And then on Twitter, we are Love Doesn't Hurt 7. Um, so yes, if you already follow me, then it's just like really easy. Just go to my site, go to, or go to my profiles, go to follow and you know, you'll be able to find it really quick, but yeah, love doesn't hurt seven on Twitter. Love doesn't hurt ink everywhere else. Um, and like I said, that TikTok will be coming soon once we get a little bit more programming up and going. So yeah. Do you have an email in case people do want to reach out privately? Because I think sometimes when it's sensitive matters, maybe someone will listen to this and want to send you guys an email versus a social media thing because their their partner may have access to their social media. But not Absolutely. Right now, we don't have our info at, which I need to get on, but we have Love Doesn't Hurt Inc. at Gmail. So just email us at Love Doesn't Hurt Inc. at Gmail. And as usual, of course, anybody can always slide into my DMs about anything that you need to talk about. I'm always here for that. But yes, definitely please reach out if you if you need help and you need resources. You do not need to be a teenager to reach out to us about getting help. Um, we have a lot of resources already. Like like Anna said, like this is, you know, her field like she's a site like she works in psychology. So she knows all about this stuff. So please if you're listening and this is something that resonates with you and you're like, wow, I went through that, but I'm not a teenager anymore, please do not feel as if you can't reach out please still reach out to us. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm 38 years old and I'm just now dealing with the trauma, like truly dealing with it. And some of us hold that trauma for a long, long time. And um, so we hope to be a resource for anybody, you know, um, that can, that needs help. Um, so our website, you know, like Chris says, love doesn't hurt inc.org. Um, and please, please look at it. Um, look up counselors in your area. Um, look up just different groups that you could join. Um, it's so important, so important to put your healing uh, first. You have to heal yourself. You have to be an active um, participant in your healing um, and to really work through that trauma. And so we are here to help uh, refer to different resources and give information um, and and just kind of direct people into the to being a healthy, you know, emotionally, physically, 
uh, person. Thank you, ladies, for coming on today on the week of Thanksgiving to give us something to be thankful for and to look to give as Giving Tuesdays next Tuesday. And we won't have an episode out before then. So you guys know if you didn't have Giving Tuesday plans where you can go and donate. So thank you guys so much for coming on and sharing more about Love Doesn't Hurt. Thank, Thank you. you. It's so weird to be on this side of the interview. I love it. I want it. I love it. I love it so much. I want to interview you next. Oh my <laughs> Listeners, 2021 will be a wild ride. Buckle in. <laughs>